Well, good morning again. Uh, so great to be here, and I'm, I'm elated. I'm elated because anytime I get to share the word of God with my friends and family, it just it does my heart good. And so uh, thank you all for coming out, braving the snow. And uh, uh, just for those who have expectations, I'm going to take a detour from Ezekiel today, this morning. Um, to be continued at another date. Today, Lord willing, we're going to go with Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Uh, I have here 1 through 26, but uh, I can't guarantee you anything. Uh, and I titled this, God's fruit is never out of season. God's fruit is never out of season. Galatians 5, 1 through 26. Lord, we just, uh, again, just give you praise and honor for who you are. I thank you for my sisters and brothers, their hearts. And I pray that we would let go of the cares of the day, Father, and just focus on what you have for us here and now. So we consider it an honor to be able to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful for the lessons that you are teaching me personally and the things that you've given me to share with my brothers and sisters in Christ. So I pray, as always, that your word will be rightly divided, and that we will be mindful of the fact that this is a day that our Lord has made. And I pray that we will be joyful and glad in it. So have your way in this place today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, Galatians 5, verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled with, again, with a yoke of bondage. And here, this word, stand fast, means to stay where you are. And when I say that, I have to make sure that we have an understanding. Stay where you are if your life your ways, your works, your will is, is, is um, tied into the will of Christ, Christ. And stay where you are. If you're in a bad place, then I encourage you to do just the opposite. Move away from that. And we're going to talk about that today, what that really mean, means. And Paul encourages us to stand fast in the benefits of being free from the law and the flesh, which offers us, this offers us salvation and the fullness of blessing by grace. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Grace, his grace, his mercy. And free refers to being delivered from the curse that the law pronounces on the sinner who has been striving unsuccessfully to achieve her or his own righteousness, but who has now embraced Christ and the salvation granted to them by grace. By the time we're done here today, I'm going to ask if there's anyone here now who does not yet know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they would come running and surrender, asking, what must I do to be saved? And uh, I, I understand uh, just from living that we're not all saved. We're not all born again. And we look around and say, oh, that brother, he, he's, he's there every Sunday, so he must know the Lord. And, and what the Lord has been pressing on my heart for years 
assume nothing. Don't assume that because this person is sitting here that they are regular, that they know Jesus Christ. They may not. And there are some of us who came from other religious systems that tell us all we need to do is just show up. And, and you're good. And if you do stumble, write us a check and all will be well again. And we, we can't buy into that. We are not a religious system. We are people who have a faith in a living God. Everybody's religious. Everybody has things that they do religiously. But that doesn't mean that we're all saved. So as we go through this, bear in mind that if there's anything that's said here, I, I pray that it will be words of encouragement. We're not going to judge anybody. We can't judge anybody. But we can speak the truth. And that's what this God's word is all about. And in addition to that, we can't afford to be judges, but we can't afford to be fruit inspectors. So we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit today. Verse 2, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Paul was not opposed to circumcision, but he objected the notion that it had some spiritual benefit with God and was necessary to experience salvation. And when I think of that, I think of how some of us look at baptism today. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Sure, I've been baptized. Well, that really wasn't the question. And just like this, this circumcision was external, baptism is external. And it doesn't mean that we receive salvation because we went through the motion, because we might have done it just uh, from an emotional standpoint. Everybody, all my friends are getting baptized, so I'm going to also. And we can ill afford to have that kind of a mindset. Verse 3, and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Again, uh, in life's experience, it's shown me that there are some of us, maybe even some among us today, who feel that they need to be under the law. And the reason they feel that way, because if I'm under the law, then I have a visual comparison of me to you. I can say that I do this more than you. I do this better than you. I can pray more, longer than you can. I can use more scripture than you can. But does that make you a better believer? And too often, we're influenced by those who can pray for a great length of time. We, can, we get... Um, We're excited. We get um, encouraged by those who can do these things that we don't have a, uh, the capacity to do. And not that we can't, but what has the Lord given you? What is your gift? And our brother has been talking about the gifts of the Spirit the last two Thursday nights. But now I'm trying to tie the, the gifts of the Spirit to the, the fruit of the Spirit. And this is what we do. We, we look at the wrong things. And we, when we read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, we laugh. Uh, you know, how can they be such a maroon? And when you look around, there's still Sadducees and Pharisees among us today. That outside appearance, those large phylacteries, those longer tassels, 
that makes me more spiritual. No, it does not. Those, that outside stuff profits you nothing. And that's why Paul made reference to circumcision. There were those who kept the law of circumcision but failed to keep the other laws. God's standard is perfect righteousness. Perfect righteousness. Well, do you keep the law? Well, some of it. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes, sometimes. Those are two definite no's. That's basically what you're saying to those questions. You cannot keep the law. The word tells us that. If you don't have a full belief, a full relationship with Jesus Christ, it profits you nothing. All the stuff that we do, all those who are striving for more toys, better things, larger things, shinier things, it profits you nothing. As a, a, a wise man says often, those things aren't going to go with you. You're going to leave them here. They're going to rust, rot. Be concerned about the things that we have here. The word estranged in verse 4 means to cut off or severed. And we can be those who kept the law of circumcision and keep other laws. God's standards is perfect righteousness. And fallen, in this context, fallen means to, to lose one's grasp on something. Any attempt to be justified by the law is to reject salvation by grace alone through faith alone. This, we, if your heart is right, we are a faith-based system. Yes, you are religious, but it has nothing to do with your relationship with Jesus Christ. You can be religious and then he will say that, I never knew you, but Lord, I'm religious. Look at all these things that I did. I'm consistent. But no, to claim faith in Christ and then turn your back on Christ only proves that your faith was not genuine to begin with. How do we taste and see that he is good and then turn away? That's something that's pondered me all of my years. I've seen evidence of someone that I've met and I've known him for a long time. He, uh, from, what, from my perspective, I thought was a, a male, a man. And then as years went along, we worshiped together, we fellowshiped together, and one day I went to a place that we normally meet, and he was wearing a dress and lipstick. And I asked the question, how can that be? This was a, a supposedly a person of God, a man of God, Yet, he turned his back. How do you see, how do you taste and see that he is good yet turn away? And we say, well, that would never happen to me, but just by the grace of God, that could be any of us. We might not have turned that far, but there are things that we've done where we turn away. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that. I turned away for seven years. There's scars. Still, verse 5, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. You and I already possess the imputed righteousness of God. But we still wait the completed or perfected righteousness that is still to come at glorification. There are trials. I firmly believe from the very core of my heart that everything that God has done Everything that God is doing is preparing you and me for what's to come. Now, some of you say, well, I don't know. I, I don't always see that. Well, 
You ever heard the word mystery? There's a reason why he keeps certain things from us. He's preparing you. I lost a loved one. He's preparing you for what's to come. And if your eyes and your heart are open, you, sometimes you get to see what he's doing. He may take away this person and plug in this person. It may be from an older person to a child or vice versa. God has a plan through everything. Don't ever think that he's not working. He's never not working. He's always there. He's always doing something. We determine whether it's good or bad. Well, why God, why would God allow this to happen to me? Why not? Why do we think that it always has to be a bed of roses for us? And when we're going through tough times, when we're going through some difficult times, some of us have a tendency to attribute that to the enemy of our soul. It just may be God doing something in your life to strengthen you, to correct you. We have to remember that he is a sovereign God. Why does he bless me? He blesses you because he loves you. Then why does he do these things that I don't like? Because he loves you. He's a sovereign God. And he does, everything he does is for your good and my good. Everything, no matter how difficult it may be or seem. Verse 6. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. The word love is misused. If a, why would a loving God do this? If he really loved me, he would continue to supply me with all my needs. How are you defining love? And for you parents or grandparents, if your child was doing something that was out of order, if your child was out of order and you didn't do something or say something, do you sleep at night? Or do you just let it go just to keep the peace And when you say that, I ask you the question, whose peace are you keeping? Are you at peace with the decision that you've made or avoided? The answer is no, then that means you're not keeping the peace because you're not at peace about it. And I'm getting back to the word love. That's what God does. He always gives you an option or allows you to choose. Choose this day who you will serve. And he always gives you that. He never takes that away. So the same God that's on the mountain is the same God that's in the valley. Neither in verse 6, neither done or not done in the flesh is profitable in our relationship with God. What is external is worthless unless it reflects internal righteousness. Key word, internal. What are you doing? How are you doing it? Are you a moaner, a groaner, a complainer constantly? And when the opportunity is presented for you to do something about your complaint, you walk away. We're all guilty of that. It's called being human. And the problem with that is some of us complain a lot. Here's your opportunity to do something to fix that complaint. 
No, if I complain, that doesn't require anything on my part but to complain. But if I say that I'll take care of this now, that requires work, that requires effort on my part, and that's really not what I'm about. I'd just rather complain because I can complain and walk away. If I commit to doing that thing, then I can't. I don't have time. It's, it's not a priority with me. So I'm, I do what I do, and I'm telling you because it's your responsibility to take care of this issue. That's thinking, thinking, folks. That should not be desire of our heart. The idea is to bless the body, to edify the body. And it's not necessarily here at church. It could be at home. It could be in wherever you socialize, wherever you work. You've got those people that are there. And you notice they complain and then walk away. That's not the heart. That's not a heart of love. And the reason it isn't because the word tells us that we are here to serve others. And you're not serving anyone except yourself. And all you do is murmur. Be open to being part of the solution rather than part of the problem. Those of us who live by faith are internally motivated by love for God and Christ reflects reverent worship, genuine obedience, and self-sacrificing love for others. It's biblical, my friends. Love for God, reverent worship, genuine obedience, and self-sacrificing love for others. And if we could, from a time standpoint, able to break that down, it would probably take the rest of the time that we've allotted already. Because we know that those things are very difficult for us. Does your life reflect Christ today? Not yesterday, not tomorrow. Does your life reflect Christ today? Ask yourself that. Search your heart. You, verse 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Paul is referring to the fact that the Galatians' life had a good beginning. They had received the gospel message by faith and had begun to live their Christian lives by faith as well. Obeying the truth speaks of a believer, true way of living, including both their response to the true gospel in salvation and their response to obey the word of God in sanctification. Do you, will you, obey the word of God? It's a decision that we have to make. The legalistic influence of the Judaizers prevented the unsaved from responding in faith to the gospel and true believers from living by faith. They will do that. Bad company corrupts. And for you who don't know that, observe. Well, I'm grounded in the Lord. It can't influence me. Not true, my friends. Not true. And we have proof that bad company can corrupt. And it may not necessarily be you. Sometimes we're judged by the company that we keep. So we have to be careful if people are rejecting us and it's, they're not just rejecting you because of your belief in Jesus Christ. It may be the company that you keep. Be observant. Be observant. And some of us in our lives and the way we live, we may not realize it, but we can be dividers as opposed to uniters. 
Again, your choice. Do you want to divide people or do you want to unite people? Your choice. And what they're seeing is the external. For the most part, we can sit there and or stand there and proclaim Christ. So we're talking the talk. But how many of us are walking the walk? Be careful, my friends. Look around. Observe and see how people respond to you when you're by yourself or when you're with others. Makes a difference. That influence can be there whether you like it or not. And this persuasion, uh, verse 8, this persuasion uh, does not come from him who calls you. And this persuasion is not a God. He does not encourage legalism. Any doctrine that claims God's gracious work is insufficient to save is false doctrine. Well, you got to do these things. You have to go to church twice a week. You have to pray. And your prayer time has to be five minutes and 37 seconds, nothing less than that. You have to include three scriptures. Otherwise, it's not legitimate. Hogwash, friends. No, this is not what he's looking for. That's legalism. You, not only do you tell, first of all, the disciple says, teach us to pray. It didn't say how long. It didn't say how many scriptures to be included. It didn't say that you have to make it relevant to what's going on around us today. Teach us to pray. That's what the word says. Verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole loaf, the whole lump. And this is what I was saying about that bad company can corrupt. Leaven is often used in scripture to represent sin because of its permeating power. Sin can be powerful. Those of us who are not entrenched in sin, maybe we were. And those of us who don't recognize, we're going in with eyes closed, ears open, open and heart closed. But we may not realize that we're going into an area of sin that's going to destroy us even now. Be prayerful about that. Verse 10. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear the judgment, whoever he is. I have confidence in you. Do you have confidence in you? And not a false confidence, this, this uh, low self-esteem, high self-esteem. How about God-esteem? How about what the Lord is doing in your life? How about... The, the influence that you're having on others, is it positive or not? Are you having an influence on the people around you? Do you have that positive influence? Paul encouraged us to a blessed assurance, blessed assurance that the Lord will be faithful to keep his own from falling into the gross heresy. All false teachers will suffer strict eternal condemnation. All. All false teachers. And I, I, I hear constantly about people who attend other places and maybe here who teach a false message. I, one that sticks in my mind is, is visiting the church prior to coming here and the, the, the gentleman got on this up behind the pulpit and he said that God is discontinuing all blessings from this day forward. 
How do you do that? How do you say that? Where does that come from? Well, maybe he is discontinuing all blessings because he allowed you to get into the pulpit. That just may be the case. Verse 11, And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. The word offense can also mean trap or snare or stumbling block. Whichever word fits you. Any offer of salvation that strips mankind of opportunity to earn it by our own merit breeds oppression. If you think that you're going to work your way out of these things, you're going to end up oppressed. It's a fact. And there's some who's sitting here among us right this minute who are oppressed because they're trying to let go of these strongholds. You, you can't. And I don't like that word personally because it means impossible. And the word of God tells me nothing's impossible. But he's giving you a choice. Years ago, had some issues that didn't glorify the Lord. But I said, I'm not going to return to him until I clean up my act. Didn't work. I tried. At least I think I tried patiently to let go of these things, to, to break those chains of bondage. And eventually I just said, I surrender all. And that's when he did it. So I'm just encouraging you to take that same attitude. And I'm not saying, well, this worked for me, so it should work for you. I would not say that. But I say, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's the only way out. 12, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Cut themselves off could also mean mutilate themselves. This Greek word also spoke of castration as in the case of self-made eunuchs. And when I say uh, cut off, I think about a, a term that I became familiar with a few years ago. It's called, not a term, but a, 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 a statement Spiritual growth through separation. And what I learned through that, uh, meditating on that, was how God would take someone, if there's someone who's causing you to go astray, God would take them out of your life, or, or vice versa. God would send that person away. They may have to go on vacation for five to ten years, but... What he will do, he will take that and separate them so that they can both grow stronger in the process. I think about the prodigals, the prodigal sons, the prodigal daughters. This is not by chance that these things happen. The Lord is working through that. He's using that to encourage you, to grow you, to strengthen you. That, that has to be a prodigal son. There has to be a prodigal daughter because you've taken your focus off of him and put it on something else. Maybe even that prodigal. Do you realize that prodigal, that, that loved one, the person that you love, a person that loves you, could be the reason why your faith in Christ is not as strong as it should be? You're taking that focus off of him and putting it on that child or that perhaps even a thing. We have to be very careful because 
There is no idol of any sort, of any kind, human or otherwise, that he will not take away. Nothing. Be careful that whatever is happening in our lives that we recognize as God working. I see that you've made this son or this daughter an idol. That's your total focus now. You don't really have time for me because they're your priority. So I'm going to cause this prodigal to leave. I'm going to cause this, this husband or this wife or this friend, acquaintance, to disappear from your life because I want you to bring your focus back on me. And he will do that. And he will take away things. Those of us who rely on our physical strength, he'll take it away. Those of us, among us who are smart, he will take it away. We know some very smart people, men and women, who all of a sudden were afflicted with things called brain loss. I'll just leave it at that. He will do that. Is that love? I don't know. It depends on who you ask. I say it is. I have to do this. I have to create spiritual growth through separation. Even if that husband or wife has to go away for days, even if they're sick for a brief day or three, he'll do that just to make you realize that I didn't know what I had until it was gone. A loving God does things like that. A loving God will cause sickness. He will cause minor afflictions between a couple just to find out where their heart really is. He will do that. He has done it. He has done that with father and daughter. I'm going to separate them for a season just to find out where they are. Are you with me? Are you against me? It comes around pretty quickly. He can determine that quite well. There have even been situations where some of us are mean-spirited. Even by our own admission, we're mean-spirited. God will allow you to see someone else who's mean-spirited. He will allow you to look in the mirror and say, whoa, that's not pretty. I can't allow this to happen to me. And he will either take us out of that mean person's life or take that mean person out of our lives. God does these things. Is there anything too hard for God? I haven't found out yet, so I'm just going to go with no. I haven't seen, he hasn't let me down personally. He hasn't let the people down that I love. They still serve him. They still worship him. And truth in his spirit. I like it. I say then, walk in the spirit. Verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. All true believers have the presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit as a personal power of living to please God. Their walk indicates continuous action of a God-filled lifestyle. That Christian responds in obedience to the commands of the scripture. That's a tough word for us. There's two words that are very difficult for us. And I, I, I know that everyone in this room can relate. One of those words is patience. And the other word is obedience. 
very challenging for us. Rather than listen to what the Lord is calling us to do, we can fix it. We can fix the problem. We know how to fix it. And we have to be very, very, very careful because when things fall off the curb or or slip off the rails, we give credit to the enemy. Wrong. Don't blame the enemy for everything that goes astray in our lives. The flesh opposes the work of the spirit and leads the believer towards sinful behavior she or he would not otherwise be compelled to do. Flesh is relentless. You know and I know that it will cause us to go to places that we would normally do. And you end up smacking your forehead and say, what was I thinking? You were following the flesh. You were not following the lead of the Holy Spirit, perhaps. 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are, you are not under the law. Do you live by law or do you live by grace? And there may be different opinions in this very room and in pixel land as well. Do you live by the law or do you live by grace? You know already. You know what you do when you're, what you're doing when you're constantly measuring yourself based on others. Well, I can do that better than him or her. Why are you measuring yourself by another humankind? Measure up. Measure your life against that of Jesus Christ. Now tell me how you're doing. Did you come up a little short? The answer is yes, you did. You will. Because he's the only perfect one. We're not. There's none among us here that is perfect. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and this is where it gets a little heavy, my friends. But we're going to go with it. Now the works of the flesh are evident, such as adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentious, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that, these, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a lot of stuff, friends. A lot of stuff. It's even difficult to read for me because it just, and I know this, this list is not exhaustive, But I would dare to say, at the risk of being judgmental, that everybody in this room falls under at least one of these. Well, not me, not me, brother. I'm I'm not, it's not, idolatry is not part of my life. Outbursts of wrath, not me. I'm chill. 
100% of the time. Self-ambitions, heresies, drunkenness, reveries, and the like. And the like includes a lot of things, a lot of things that aren't stated here. I'll get back to that. When Paul talks about the flesh, he's referring to the selfish and self-centered inclinations that drive us to sin. It can be anything that is opposed to God's words, God's will, and God's way. Anything. Doesn't matter. Well, it's just a small matter. You know, I like my Lamborghini. It's not a big deal. It's not an idol. Really? I like my little uh, ceramic dolls. It's not a big deal. Well, is it an idol in your life? I like shoes. Well, especially if they're on sale. Can that be an idol? The answer is yes, it can be. What are you spending your time doing? What are you spending your time thinking about? When the flesh is at work, there are the results of outcomes of the power of the flesh. The flesh, as I said earlier, is relentless. And it is. I have proof. The flesh is relentless. Verse 12 I'm sorry, verse 22, excuse me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, for you math majors in the room, when I read... uh, Verse 19 and 20, 19, 20, 21, I saw 18 things that are on that list. When I read Fruit of the Spirit, I saw nine. So I'm thinking, okay, now do we have to work twice as hard? I'm doing the math. Help me out. Do I have to work twice as hard to overcome the things that are, that the, the flesh is uh, causing? To counteract the things that the fruit of the Spirit is causing? What do we have to do? It's it's two to one here. So I'm thinking that I have to really work hard. No, you don't. You really don't. Well, how do I, brother, how do I overcome that then? Whose fruit is this? This is the Spirit's fruit. This is not something that you, that's, it can be imputed through the Holy Spirit, but you got to choose how you want to live. You got to choose who you want to serve. You got to. And I don't like that word either because you have a choice. It's called free will. You get to choose how you want to live. Are you going to live by being dictated by these 18 things? Or are you going to choose to live by these nine? Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, did not intend the fruit of the Spirit to be a set of instructions. The fruit of the Spirit is being, the fruit, the fruit is the Spirit of being words, being, not doing, being. Love is being. I'm, not, I'm, I'm believing love, but to do love is another thing. I can say this. I can say that I'm loving, but it's just words. Are you loving? 
Someone is loving, someone is gentle, someone is self-controlled, being always led to doing. This is one way the fruit of the Spirit intersects with how we act. Change people do change things. Well, I'm a new creation, so why are you doing the things that the old person did? Guilty. Guilty. Still striving, still aiming for the mark. Still aiming for perfection. Can it be done? Not on this side. But when Jesus comes back soon, we'll be able to see that. Change people do change things. The internal change has to happen first. God is after our hearts. He's after our hearts. He's not concerned about that external because it's going to fade away. He's concerned about the heart. In verse 23, 22 and 23 were a list of commands. If it were, it would read something like this. You must love one another. Does it say that? I have to go back and reread. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It doesn't say that I must love you. Hmm. Why doesn't he command that we? Why does it say you got you got to love these folks? Lord, some of these some of these people are tough, very difficult to love. Don't you know that? You don't know him like I know him. You don't know her like I know her. I, I, it's hard. She's hard to love. He's hard to love. They're not. You must love one another. Have joy when you can. Doesn't say that. Be in peace with God and each other. And be patient with one another. You have to be kind and good and have faith. And you need to be gentle and exercise self-control. Doesn't read that way. These are things that are imputed to us through the Holy Spirit. And that's the only way we can receive them. The fruit of the Spirit includes nine characteristics, as I said earlier. This is an indication that we should pray more fervently, contend for the faith twice as diligently, and that the flesh would be crucified daily. That's a hard call. Crucify the flesh daily? You know how difficult that is? Yeah, I do. I know very well how difficult it is. There's some things I don't want to change. Uh, neither of these lists is exhausted and it would be a mistake to pursue or consider other character qualities. And we can, if we were to read Matthew 5, we could see those other things that could fit into these lists. Consider positive characteristics like mercy, generosity, hospitality, humility, etc. Those could be positive things. And then this is already listed, but I, I just thought about the word murder. Most of the fruit that is mentioned here is relational. What is love, if not extended towards others? The love mentioned here is relational between two or more persons. And that's what the word love means. Relational between two or more persons. That's real love. And there are some of us who are very selfish. Only when it benefits me. It's all about me. The universe revolves right here, baby. 
No, if you got that attitude, then you're doomed. Don't like saying it, but I got it. If you got that attitude, then it's a lost cause. Peace. Peace is not about being in a peaceful state of mind through external means. It is a state of good relations between two or more persons. Hmm. Commonality here, two or more persons. That requires giving. Some of us are not familiar with that concept yet. Until you read the word and understand the word and allow the word to penetrate your heart, you won't understand. Two or more persons. Patience is primary relation, relational in that it has to do with tolerant forbearance of others. That's why I mentioned two, patience, obedience. They're tough. Tolerant obedience of others. My flesh will have a desire to battle your flesh. Your flesh has a desire to battle my flesh. Some of us are Switzerland. So we just ease through it at our pace. Some of us are other societies that punch them in the mouth. That's not for all of us. But that's how it is. That's how the flesh is. Are you Switzerland or you just punch him in the face? Your choice. He gives us that choice. Kindness has to do with caring for others and looking out for their needs. I've seen it. It encourages me when I see kindness played out. It encourages me when I see people, and I say it this way, going out of their way to benefit others. A lot of us don't have that in us. What's in it for me type of an attitude? That's not where the Lord would have it. Goodness may be less clearly relational. True goodness is demonstrated in relationships. If we are often mean-spirited or angry towards others, our goodness may be a mile wide, but just an inch deep. That's not what you want. It's all a facade. I say I'm goodness because I do these things, but I only want to do it in the presence of those who I want to think more highly of me. Man pleaser is called in the real world. Being respecter of others, being a respecter of persons. Faithfulness is always relational. It involves loyalty and commitment to someone, faith to someone. Faithfulness is always about our relationship with God. And obedience is an expression of our faithfulness. Obedience. Uh, that word uh, can uh, lead to a snare. It can be a trap. Because there are other humankind who are asking us to be obedient to them. That's a snare for me personally. I think when I was a younger person, I probably disobeyed authority. And I had to learn that there's a downside to that. Faithfulness. Are you faithful to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Gentleness is relational. Our interaction with other people demonstrates our gentleness. If we treat other people harshly, 
Our gentleness is not a fruit of the Spirit. I'm gentle when it's to my advantage. When it's not, I act otherwise. The only two characteristics that are not obviously relational are joy and self-control. Joy. We can have joy without anyone else around, but our joy can be shared with others. Are you happy or joyful? Well, brother, what's the difference? I can be happy by surrounding myself with the things that I like. I can't impute joy. I can't create joy. I can't generate joy. Can't be done, friends. It has to come through the Holy Spirit. Happiness, yes. Joy, out of your control. Big difference between the two. We can have self-control, show self-control in private, but often involves respecting the dignity of others and not infringing on their well-being. There's a problem here. Self-control. We can have it in private, but not in public. That shouldn't be. That means we're divided. We have a divided heart. That means we have a divided spirit. And those, those things can only go wrong, go bad. If those things are not in control, then we're out of control. Verse 24, And those who are Christ have uh, crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Fruit grows from the spirit. It is not the result of our hard work or discipline, but it is, and it's not a list to check off when we feel we've got it down I've nailed this patience thing. I got this one, so now I'll work on something else. But I better do it now before I run out of time. You just violated the statement that you made. I want patience, but I got to have it right now. Got to be now. I can't wait. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. One thing that we need to understand is the fruit of the Spirit is we must understand that these characteristics are produced by the Holy Spirit. He is the agent, the source, and the power that grows the fruit. His power is contrasted to that of the flesh. There are two competing sources of our actions and attitude. Choose to stay who you will serve. Your call. Verse 26, let us not become conceited provoking one another, envying one another. A good person is one who has disciplined herself or himself to be patient or brave or generous. On the other hand, fruit of the Spirit implies something quite different. Most obvious, perhaps, is that it's the Spirit's fruit and not ours. Whose fruit is it? It's the Spirit's fruit. No amount of determination or discipline ripens the fruit of the Spirit, and because it is the Spirit's fruit, it is a harvest that only those who have the Spirit of God, them, can have. Only those who have the Spirit of God in them can have the fruit of the Spirit. Well, if I discipline myself enough, I can do these things. No. No. Cannot. Uh, hmm. 
When the fruit is evident in a follower of Christ, it is evident that the Spirit is in them. They are his fruit to grow as he sees fit for the benefit of the believer, the church body, and the kingdom of God. That's what the fruit is for. The fruit is not for me to be able to boast that this is what I did, this is who I am, this is what I'm all about. I've done great things for the Lord. Lest anyone should boast. Let's not boast. The Spirit did not give every fruit to every believer. And I'm not going to go into this, but I just challenge you to read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Psalm 142, 7 says, Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. And this prison refers to the, the cave that David was hiding in. What's in our cave? What is our prison? What's in your cave? Who's in your cave with you? Are you there alone? What is your prison? Why are we allowing ourselves to be in bondage to whatever this thing is that's keeping us in prison? Why are we not able to let go of those shackles? It's your choice. It's your choice. And, and what I want to remind us of is even today, stones are still being rolled away. God is doing that even now. There's some of us in bondage today, right here, right now. We're in bondage. God is willing to roll that stone away so you can come out of that cave and live a fruitful life. He will do that. He wants to do that. And uh, just going back to Ezekiel, uh, just for a couple more verses, and then uh, we can go shovel snow. E Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-seven says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep the judgments and do them. Is that desire of our heart? Do we want to keep his judgments and do them? It doesn't say just so you can quote my, my, my judgments. It says, do my judgments. Romans 6, 12 through 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it as, as in its lusts. And do not present your members of instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members are instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. My friends, you are not under the law. You cannot keep the law, no matter how hard you try. It's self-defeating. You can't keep it. Well, why the law, brother? The law was put to get us to grace. That's why the law was there. The law is there. There are certain things we have to keep, but it's a reminder to us. If you keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, then you're so focused on defeating this thing is your life is fleeting. Your life is fading away. Your life has faded away. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no love. We need to be on our guard about, against feelings of hopelessness that discourage us to remain in the fight. 
Jude says, contend for the faith. That's what I encourage each and every one of us to do, to contend for the faith, to keep fighting, don't give up. Surrender is not an option once you surrender to our Lord and Savior. There's no other surrender beyond that. So those things that we're fighting, he's in there with us. For those of us among us who don't feel loved, read the word of God. He will love us at all times. He loves us when things are going well. He loves us when things are not going so well. And when you say that you're not loved, that means you don't trust the word of God. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Let Jesus be the center of our thoughts, our imagination, and our desires as we choose to follow Christ, to depend on him, and to submit to him. He will be keeping in step with the Spirit. For those who are struggling with whatever physical, mental, psychological, financial, I want to recommend something to each and every one of us. I know a master potter, I know a great physician. I know a wonderful counselor. I know a passionate vine dresser. If you care, I'm willing to share it with you. This potter, this physician, this counselor, this vine dresser comes highly recommended. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through, it doesn't matter. This great physician is a a specialist in everything. You name it. And on the uh, shingle that hangs over his door, it says, I am. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? Are you seeking God or are you seeking to have things your way? Now, bear in mind, you've had things your way. And that's why some of you are here right now, including myself. I tried to do it my way. Didn't work out. So I want to try a better way. And I found this to be a better way. The things that we're, we're struggling with, uh, he's shown me over the years that uh, he cares. Many, many years ago, well, one many, many years ago, I said, if I only had a heart, he says, I'll give you a heart. I'll give you a heart. I'll give you compassion. I give you love. I give you a meaning for life. I give you someone who loves you. I give you someone that you can love. Sounds good, Lord. I'll take it. If I only had the knives, I'll give you nerves. I give you courage. I give you boldness to be able to live this life the way the Bible instructs you to. If I only had a brain, I give you knowledge. I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you a care for others. All the things that you need. Remember, the shingle says, I am. He's calling you. Jesus is calling. Coming back soon. Real soon. Are you ready? Get right 
or get left. Father, we just thank you for your word. I pray that my sisters, my brothers, that their hearts and ears were open to receive what you have for us. And I pray, Father, that if I even said one word that discouraged my brother or my sister, I pray that you would uh, swipe it from my minds even now. And I pray, Father, that throughout this, the way you use this vessel, that if there's just one person who heard what was spoken, if there were any true Christians among us, Father, that trust your word, that believe your word, that this would be an encouragement to them. So I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity to share. I thank you for what you've done in, in, the life of, in my life and the life of those that I love. I'm just so thankful to be able to witness change. I'm so thankful to see things uh, turn towards the better as a result of the infusion of the Holy Spirit. And I pray for those who do not know you, who don't know you, as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they would come running forward and asking, what must I do to be saved? So I pray for each and every one of them, each and every one of us, and I pray that you would grant us safety to get back to our homes. So you're waiting for us there, Father. So I pray that you would give us that boldness. You would give us that nerve to be able to stand and admit that we've been fighting against you. We've been kicking against the gold. You have been kind. You have been gentle. You haven't dislocated our hip yet. But there's nothing to say that you won't, Father. You're willing to do whatever you have to do to cause us to receive you. So I thank you for the opportunity that you've given. I thank you for a changed heart. I thank you for uh, uh, just, a, just the Holy Spirit just working all the time, Father. Never letting go. Never giving me any opportunity to truly say that I'm not loved. God is love. So I thank you for that. Have your way, Father. Bless every heart. And I pray, Father, if there's someone here today who needs prayer, that they would come forward and pray with our sisters and our brothers, Father. I pray that there will be a trust to know that they can speak freely without having to hear about it from someone else later. So we give you praise and honor for who you are. And we thank you greatly for whose we are. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning King, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out.